Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's your boy, your big brother, your crazy uncle, the man who ate the last piece of pizza. It's me, Omizi. I got something I want to talk about. Come holla at me. Hey, everybody. What's going on? It's your boy, your cousin, your big brother, Omizi. Yeah, you know we always do this thing live too. It's not just sitting down and recording, but we actually do minister live. This is one of our segments here, live ministry. Check it out. I want you to holler at me. Lean forward. Incline your ear. We got something for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> this month, We've been, it's been a blessing to be in front of you, and um, I don't count it as just a, a, like I said, I don't count it as just a gimmick because I, I was able to come up here because we have a host of very anointed, appointed, full of the Holy Ghost ministers in this house that can come up here and teach you, and teach you pro- probably better than I can, but I count it an uh, honor to be able to stand up here and be able to deliver the word and break this thing down the way God showed it to me. Amen. And thank y'all for uh, taking the time out to sit down and actually listen um, to, to me to say this stuff. Amen. Amen. And your patience with me. So uh, this month we've been talking, truthfully, we've been talking about love, showing love, Christian lifestyle, which is the lifestyle of love, walking in love, showing love to each other, how people are going to know that we're the children of God and by the love that we show each other. Truthfully, it's talking about how we treat each other. Amen. Amen. That's what the whole month has been about. It's been about um, how we treat each how we treat our neighbor, be he saved or unsaved, whatever, how we treat those who are around us, be they our same color, be they our same affiliation, be they our same uh, have our same politics. We how we just talk about how we treat them, how we even treat the people of God, the people that are in our worship, in our worship circles, if I say it that way, the people who are in our neighborhoods, in our churches. Uh, how we're supposed to treat each other, and that the love that we show each other is supposed to let people know, oh, oh, they got to be saved because they love each other so much. They they got to be saved. And it's also broken down this way, that love is not an emotion. Love is not an emotion. Love is not a word. For them to see it, it has to be something that you do. Amen. Amen. It has to be more than just just a statement. I remember I was looking at Jamie Foxx show and um, Jamie Foxx was talking to his mom uh, who hadn't been in his life a lot. And uh, it was on the show, but he was talking about it. He, he hadn't been in his life a lot. And she was all, you know, singing and doing all these different things. And, and he was, she said, I love you. He, he just sung the song and said, show me what you tell me. You tell me that you love me, but can you show me? Amen. And that's what God is telling us to do. Show it. Show it. It goes out how you teach it. Well, in this scripture right here, for this lesson, the last lesson I believe for this month, um, talking about um, truthfully going a little bit further into that and changing up our, our behavior even the more so. So I want you to go to Colossians 3, 5 through 17. Colossians 3, 5 through 17, when you have it, say amen. Colossians 3, 
5 through 17. And as the old Baptist priest used to say, it is responsible. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and I'm never going to say that right, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in which ye also work, walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these in addition to those before, is what he's saying. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to, to the which also ye are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Amen. Now this scripture actually goes for a whole bunch of other stuff below it, talking about lies and everything like that. That's a whole nother scripture, a whole nother lesson right now. I ain't getting into that right now. Um, but we're going to start here at um, 5. It's talking about mortifying your members. Now remember we're talking about how um, love is an action word, right? And God is telling us to do things. With this here, it's talking about mortifying therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience, in which he also walks sometimes when he lived in them. Amen. So it's talking about, this part right here is talking about the things that kind of, you know, easy things, you know, stuff that's on the outside. Talking about the things that we know about doing. You, know, you know you're not supposed to be committed fornication, right? Uh, we adults in here pretty much, uh, let's talk about having premarital, you know what I'm saying, situations. Yeah. <laughs> talking about doing those things that, uh, that are not of God and that are designated for a husband between man and wife. I mean, for marriage between man and wife, you got it. Okay, he says uncleanliness, inordinate affection, that's talking about, now that's going in towards this, uh, still in the same situation, still or around the same thing. It's supposed to be these things that are geared towards marriage, man and wife, 
Amen. Male and female married together. This is talking about, in order to fetch, this is all, just talking about male against male, women and women, yada, yada, yada. Okay? That's what he's talking about. Because in those days, it was very common. Very common. Homosexuality was very common. All right? Also was pedophilia. It was very, very common. We talk about these old philosophers, talking about uh, um, Aristotle and uh, a couple of these other, uh, I don't know for sure that's that, a couple of these other uh, Greek philosophers, pedophilia and homosexuality was rampant throughout all of them. There's a reason why Paul, when he was talking to, when he was talking to the, uh, the, the circumcised and uncircumcised, the Greek, and, and all these other people who he was ministering to that were outside the Jewish nation, he talked a lot about fornication, homosexuality, marriage, what it was. He talked a lot about these things. Why? Because they were consistently living it, and it was socially acceptable with them. Huh? They said that they had a thing. If you were not married, you had a little young boy on the side. That's how they did it. When I read up, I read up on it. I was, I was in a man. They were. What? I read up on that thing, and it caught me off guard. I was like, I cannot believe this is going on like this. I cannot believe this is the thought pattern that they had. I cannot believe this is where, where it was. So yeah, that's what was going on. So there was all these different things that were not godly, that they were practicing. In addition to covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry? Mm. Lusting after somebody else's stuff or I wish I could have it. It goes beyond just saying, that's nice. It goes into even more in-depth things. Saying, you know, I don't really want that. I don't think they even deserve that. And I don't even, you know, I can do this and this and this. When, when it starts to consume you, you start to think about what they got, start to think about who they with, start thinking about the house they live. Start looking at this other grass here to the point where you start looking down your own grass, in your own yard. You start to worship somebody else's son. Somebody else. And it doesn't have to be, it could be just their life. You start to worship somebody else's life. Page one. You see how people look at these celebrities. They look at these celebrities and they follow these celebrities so deep. And, oh, and I'm such a big fan and, and, I, and I love these celebrities. They don't even know these people. I love her. I love Beyonce. I, I love her. You don't know her. You don't know her. You don't know her. You spent uh, you spent uh, close to a thousand dollars for a ticket in the nosebleeds of one of her concerts, uh, and she come out on stage and she looks like an ant out on stage, and you passing out, doing the same thing. They were doing the same thing with Michael Jackson. Come, they never saw Michael. They, they saw him come out, maybe he fly over the thing in a little jetpack, or Michael jump out the stage, and oh, grown men passing out, stuff like that. Grown men. Passing out. Y'all laughing, but y'all remember. Y'all remember that victory tour when Michael came up out that floor and was standing with that old vest jacket, like he had on the like Captain Crunch. When he came up out that thing, all the grown men were passing out over Michael Jackson. Prince, too. They were doing all of that stuff to them. And when Michael and Prince died, what happened? Did he get did he get into that money to them? Did he write an album, album for you specifically? No, he did not. Michael was a man just like everybody else. Prince was a man just like anybody else. And they sat there and they worshiped this cat who was just a regular dude. 
You know what I'm saying? He was given a gift, but used it wrong. Used it to, to honor the flesh. Used it to honor sin. Used to honor the world here. And people just kind of bought into it. You know what I'm saying? And when he died, he gone. And he don't never want him. Right? Covetousness. They want Michael's life. life. Um, it says, for which things, these things here, the wrath of God came upon the children of disobedience. And it says that at one point in time, we did walk according to that. We were, we were, uh, we were in that same realm. We were the children of disobedience, right? Anybody say that they were never a child of disobedience, they tell them a lie, and then you go to the altar. Because if you were not a child of disobedience, there would be no need for repentance. There would be no need for Jesus to come up and come. Amen. Amen. We were the children of disobedience. And the wrath of God was come, came upon us at one point in time for this particular reason here. Now, I want you to go to Romans 8. Go to Romans 8. Romans 8 and chapter 13, and verse 13. Romans 8 chapter 8. Remember Romans 8 and verse 13. It says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, everybody say mortify. The deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Okay, so, this scripture right here, in both scriptures, is talking about mortifying or killing the deeds of the flesh, right? The only way I can actually get my mind wrapped around it. I was sitting down, I was like, killing the deeds of the flesh. Okay, I can shoot it, bow, that seemed easy. Killing deeds of the flesh. Why is it so difficult to get certain things out of the way? It's talking about killing the deeds. Everybody say killing. 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 killing it. I don't know if you've seen this movie, but, it, but this is the, the image that popped into my head. I watched this movie called I Am Legend with Will Smith. And there's one person, there, at one point in the movie, he has a dog, well, throughout the, the first half of the movie, he has a dog with him who's his only companion. Everything else, everybody else in this in the world is gone. It's just Will and the dog and these monsters, right? So Will's running around town, all over the place with the, with this dog. This dog is pretty much his own. He got to meet with a puppy. The only communication he had. Somehow, well, I know how, but somehow the dog get to, gets the disease that causes stuff to turn into monsters. And Will is sitting here with his only thing that's close to him at this moment. He's looking at him, he's seeing him change as he's holding him. And he says, he basically makes his decision, this dog is gonna kill me if it gets up. And the dog completely changes while it's in Will's arms. So what Will has to do is Will is close to him, is on him, plus it's something that he loves. But if he don't let it go, it's gonna kill him. He can't just push it off. He can't walk away from it because this thing's gonna continue chasing after him until it kills him. So Will had to wrap his legs around it and he had to choke his dog out. He and you can see, you couldn't see him choking the dog out. You just saw his face as he was doing it. And he had tears coming down because it was his, it was something that was close to him. It was his only Point of contact with, with non-human interaction. It was the only interaction. It was the only other thing that was 
that he knew of, that he could talk to. And he choked this thing out because it was going to kill him. Your sin or the lifestyle that you lived of sin prior to you coming to God was the only thing that you knew. Amen. It was the only thing that we knew. We knew how to interact with each other through that sinful lifestyle. We knew how to, how to uh, address each other when somebody hurt our feelings through that sinful lifestyle. But it says now, mortify the deeds of the body. Kill that thing. It says you have to choke it out. And the reason why it's called, it, it sounds like so harsh and nasty and, and bad is because you're actually going to have to choke it out. Restrict blood going through his brain. Restrict uh, food going into it. Stop feeding it. Stop sowing it to your flesh. Stop doing the things that's going to make your flesh stronger than your spirit. You have to choke it out, and it's hard. Amen? I'm not going to sit here and fake it with you and play it off like it's something that's simple. There's some things that God just supernaturally just snatches from you. Couple things God, I had a, I had a want and need for. I, I felt I had a want and need for, and God just snatched it from me. It was just gone. But there were some things I had to work out. I had to put my knee on it on its neck and choke that thing out. No, you will not do like this. You will not be this way towards another person. You will not live this this way. You will not talk this way. I had to kill that thing. Everybody said, kill it. Kill it. It's not about just talking about it. Remember, we're talking about love show is an action word, right? You have to actively kill the things that are against God. Amen. We like to do it in everybody else's life or point out everybody else's life, but you got to kill your own stuff. Amen. 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 Anybody ever lived in a house that had roaches? Don't nobody want to admit that, do they? Nobody want to say they had roaches. But everybody came in the house one time to see that these are bugs or something like that. Or they went over to a friend's house and got roaches. Y'all know how it is. Roaches are the hardest thing to get away with. And the truth, the truth is, your house can be spent and span, And roaches can still be in your house. Roaches can eat cardboard. You can pour bleach everywhere. Bleach does not kill a roach. It will not kill a roach. A ro I've seen a roach float on bleach, on toilets. <laughs> it, it, you flush it down the toilet, whatever, then I see the roach climb right back up out. You have to actively go after that thing. You have to actively continue to bomb, continue to fumigate, continue to set trap, continue to wipe down, continue to do this, continue to do that. Continue. I mean, man, they get to the point where roaches so trifling, they'll get inside your TV. Y'all think I'm playing? Man, I mean, in our apartment that we had before, we had a huge settlement that somebody, that God blessed somebody to give to us. And it was sitting there, and we never had roaches. Everybody always said this one thing. We never had roaches until the people underneath us got moved in. And they moved in beneath us. They were taking all these carpets from other apartments and stuff like that. And the roaches started coming from them, and you could actually see them coming up through the floor. And man, the roaches got inside our television. And I'm sitting here, chilling, coming over at the house. We clean, we making sure all this stuff. We, we, I mean, we, 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 gave, we told them we were going to pay our rent until they came and they did all this stuff. And Orkin came through, and they, were, they got through We never saw them anymore. Until some company came over, they just chilling at the house, and we were going to suck on TV, and then roaches walk across the inside of our television. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you had company. I mean, they just come across the stream, and I'm just like, oh. 
And you're acting it. It was, a, it was one of the big old television, the floor models, where you had to put the screen on. It was trifling. It was trifling. And that's how your sin will get in your life if you don't actively go at that thing. We'll sit back and just say, oh, I go to church or I go to Bible study. I go to think, if you don't do the work on the inside at home, you don't get into that word for yourself, you don't start identifying those things that you know are not of God and actively going after those things and closing them down and shutting your mouth and keeping your heart and changing your heart and things of that nature, they're going to show up at a time when you think not. They're just going to pop up. And it's going to be very embarrassing, just like a roach walking on the inside of your television. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And he says that do these things here. We're no, that's when we were actually in the world. So now we're no longer in the world. We were actually, we're actually under something different here. We have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. Glory to God. We were actually changed. We're actually delivered from those things of the world. And now we, were, we took off the spirit of bondage. And we received the spirit of adoption. Everybody say adoption. Adoption. We were grafted in. Grafted in to the family of God, and we cry, Abba, Father, Father and Father. We say that he is our Father now. He is not just some, the pastor said, the man upstairs. He is not just some guy that we heard about. He is our Father, right? Amen. So we walk according to that. So both these scriptures speak this thing here. Now, as I said, the worst thing about it is that sin was inside of you. There are things that are attached to you. We say it's, our, it's, our, it's, it's familiar. It was a defense mechanism. It might have been something that was passed down from generation to generation. But it's wrong, right? And now we have a new family. Everybody say new family. Yeah. We got a new family, new blood. And God is our father. So now you can kill this thing. You can break away from this stuff, all right? Uh, now, verse 8 from the first, the first one says, verse 8 from Colossians says, uh, But now he also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Now, this is talking about, the majority of these are talking about internal stuff. Remember, the first part was talking about stuff that you do. You see the action. This is all about internal stuff, except for lying or saying stuff out your mouth. Anger is internal, right? Why is anger wrong? What kind of anger are they talking about? Is, it, is, it, is there such thing as godly anger? When you see wrong, when you see sin, it should make you angry, right? And it should make you angry towards motion, towards actually eradicating the sin. But what type of anger are they talking about here? Hmm? What is Paul talking about? The anger that Paul is talking about, remember he said you'd be angry at sin, not? He's talking about the anger that, that takes you towards sin. It makes you want to smack somebody out. Make you want to smack somebody. You ever been so upset with somebody that you want to put hands on? So mad that you want to put hands on. Yeah, that's that's sinful anger. Now you get upset. We're people. And that's and that's an excuse that we use a lot. Oh, I'm I'm a person. I have my I have my, my thing. But you need to. It says that this here can lead you towards sin. This is a sinful anger. It's pitted in sin. It's not pitted in 
wanted them to change. It's pretty dear, how dare you do whatever you did to me? How dare you say whatever you said to me? I promise you, if I get you to myself, I'm going to do something to you. It's not about your lifestyle is not right, and I don't want you to go to hell, and I want you to live right, and I can't believe you're still doing this even though you know what the word says. I can't believe you turned away from God. I can't believe this. Come on, you know better than that. Come on. It's not that. That's not the same thing as saying, you know good, low, down, dirty, yada, 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 yada. It's a completely different thing because you did me wrong. I'm gonna, I want to do wrong to you. Huh? The next thing right next to it is the is what happens after you have this anger, which is wrath. When you take it upon yourself, say, God, take it too long. I'm going to handle this myself. Remember we talked last week about wrath also, right? We talked about vengeance, right? He said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, correct? That's what God said. He said, he will repay. He said, we're not even going to be worried about vengeance. What we're supposed to do is when people do us wrong, people do us evil, we're supposed to overcome evil with what? Good. Oh, this together. Nobody want to say that out loud. We're supposed to overcome evil with good. We're supposed to do good towards those who do evil towards us. Why? Because it's going to heap coals upon their head. Now, it's not to burn them. Because I think folks kind of get excited. Oh, it's going to heap coals on their head. It's going to make them money. They're going to tear that scalp up. No, it's not about that. We talk about heaping coals upon somebody's head. It's to lead them towards repentance. That means that even in us doing the good towards somebody who's doing evil towards us, we're leading them to Christ. Everything in your life is supposed to be leading somebody else to God. Huh? Amen. 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 We're not supposed to want somebody to be left out there. We're, supposed, we're not supposed to be happy when calamity comes upon somebody's life. We're not supposed to say, see, goody, mm -hmm. you shouldn't have said what you said. Uh-huh. No, they did me wrong last time, too. Let, let, let them sit there on the side of the road. Let them sit there. Let them deal with it. Let them go through it. That's not how we're supposed to be. The good that we do is to let them know this is how you're supposed to act. You're not supposed to act like that. A child of God don't act like this. This is how a child of God acts. If I see you in, in want, I'm supposed to help you. If I see you in need, I'm supposed to help you. If I see you broken and I see you going through, I cry with you and I lift you up. If I see you rejoicing, I rejoice with you. Amen? That's what, that's what it's talking about. That's how we're supposed to do and lead people to God. Amen? And that thing is malice. Having a heart to harm Malice. So that, you know, same thing. All this stuff. All this seems like they talk about people who got some issues going on. You know, you heard my feelings, I'm coming at it. Blasphemy. Mm, we know about Fill the communication out of your mouth. Now, all these other words, sometimes you have to look them up or something like that. But this one right here is really clear. Everybody said, read it. What it says? Filthy communication out of your mouth. Amen. You can try to act like you don't know what, you didn't know, blasphemy might be yesterday. 
You try to act like you don't know really what kind of anger it is. But it's talking about things coming out of your mouth. Dirty jokes. Gossip. Uh, gossip, be it true or not. And you know what? Gossip is gossip if truthfully, if it's true or not. And I've all I, I've I, over the past few years, I've come to the understanding that there's some things that I have to sit back and I have to think, okay, if I say this, is it gonna elevate somebody? Is it gonna bless the person that it's gonna, you know, bless the person I'm around? Is it gonna lead them to Christ? Or next thing is, is it worth saying? Should I just pray about it? You know what I'm saying? Or have I prayed about it before? Truly, when you start going through all these questions in your head, the time to actually say it passes by anyway. If it's something that disturbs you so much, nine times out of ten times out of ten, is you need to go pray about it. The person you need to talk to about it is God. Not to your neighbor. Because what will happen oftentimes, you will speak something about somebody that might be true. Everybody say, it's true. It's true. It might be true. But it's something that you need to take to God. Yeah. Now you tell this other person about it, this other person can't change their heart. This other person cannot minister to them in their sleep. All you want to do is turn somebody else's mind away from that person that needs that prayer. And then you can't even pray for that person, right? Because you spoke so much about them, and the first person to hear what you're saying out of your mouth is you, so your heart is turned away from them. So when you go down and pray, you're not praying what thus saith the Lord. You're not praying for God to change them, but you're praying what you heard or praying what you said. Huh? Amen. 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 It says, lie not to one another. Lie not. Truly, truly speak. Don't lie. Yeah. If you can, do it. If you can, say you can. Do what you say. Yeah. Be man, woman of your word. Yeah. If you can't do it, just don't say nothing. Amen. Amen. Not, not see the thing is with lying. Lying become really becomes really easy because sometimes. The outcome of telling the truth of what you did is a whooping. <laughs> That's the first thought we had. Is a whooping, right? That's why kids can lie so quick. Because they know what they did was messed up. And they know if they tell you, you say, did you eat this? After I told you not to? And they say, no, that means they got away with it. But if you say, yeah, they're going to get their tail toe up. So the thought pattern as we as adults should have this. I don't want to lie. So I'm not going to do something prior to the lie that's going to put me into a situation that's going to make me want to lie. Amen? Amen. There's a whole lot of doing that's going on right there, but it's, 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 that's the way I have to articulate to myself. Just don't even put yourself in that position. You know you're not going to want to get in trouble. You know you're not going to want to get the ticket. You know you're not going to want them to pull you out and say, uh, uh, you know how fast you're going. So don't even go that fast. Set your speed off and then go to speed you're supposed to go. That's just putting it in a little, you know, earthly way. Though I didn't even, oh, I didn't even know, officer. I know I was going that fast. Knowing you left the house late and said, well, I'm just going to have to go ahead and break this speed. <laughs> we can 
decide to do these things. The same way you decide your life when it comes up to it. Amen. 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 We don't want to say amen, but it's fine. Turn to Matthew 12. Matthew 12 says, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the, of the heart, the mouth speaketh. He says that to, uh, he's talking to these folks that are around here, the um, Sadducees and the Pharisees that stand around them. He said, the, out of the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance, everything that's on the inside of there is what comes out, right? So I say this real love, living the love, the love lifestyle cannot be fake. Amen. It cannot be falsified. It is not love, it cannot be facsimile. You cannot put it in, put it out there and act like. Say you love somebody and then do another thing. It cannot be faked because after a while, what's on the inside of your heart is going to come out your mouth. Amen. Amen. Your mouth, the things that come out of your mouth have power. They form or frame your life. I don't like to go, I don't want to go to the scripture that we already know, but we already know what the scripture said. It says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Right? It's in the power of the tongue. That means that everything you say actually matters. And the one thing that I, that, that, that I learned over my life is that you can't take back what you said. You can't take, I, man, I used to love to joke. I mean, you don't want to talk about joking like do the dozens, uh, fry people, talk junk, all that. I used to uh, talk junk about people get to, to a point where I, we even, I could break it down to the ghetto. Would fry you, go in, and then flame up again, go back again, and don't let you say something slick in the midst of it. Oh, you go, okay. That's what I talk about your mom in there. We go all the way in. And I could go for days on one person, or for days on one situation, joking, making fun of, whatever like that. And I was not one of the people who you couldn't joke on me. Say what you want to. I know what I got, but I got so much on you right now, you don't want to say nothing to me. You're going to want to walk away. But then I realized that after a while, you can't take that back. Because people remember what you said. Even in a jest, even in a joke. Man, I was just playing. After so many friends stopped being friends, after so many acquaintances couldn't sit around me for a long period of time, because they knew when I started getting to that little mode, I started wanting to pick at everybody. I can't, I, I can't sit around for about too long. You know, because I'm going to start picking. You know, and then I'm going to get mad, I'm going to want to, you know, whatever. That's how it was. And I was like, man, why the heck do I want Because you're always picking at somebody, man. And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. I was like, man, I don't get it. I don't get it. He said, because people don't like to get beat up with your words. Huh? Our words can beat a person down. Even if we call ourselves ministering to a person, how you say it can beat a person down. You don't have... I'm not talking about cutting the word up. I'm not talking about sugaring the word up. You give the word the way God gave it. But I'm talking about your lifestyle. When you, when you talk to me on a regular stand, standpoint, we're just sitting around each other or we're being around each other. And even if, even the time that God gives you something in your heart, there's a way to go about ministering everything. Remember we talked about how Jesus actually talked to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There were times when they were so, the majority of the time, they were disrespectful to him. 
and he was not nasty to them. Even right here when he called them old generation of vipers, he was not nasty when he talked to them. He said, don't you understand that what you're saying right now ain't even you, it's from what's all on the inside of the stuff you've been fed to you. It's coming out your mouth like that because of what's been fed to you year after year after year. And he still had the mindset to try to draw them into God, to draw them to him. His way of ministering was still out of love. Everybody said out of love. What's on the inside of you is what to come out of you. All right? That means that the change, the change cannot go from the outside in. It must go from the inside out. Okay? You have to change how you think about that person even before they actually change their actions. Amen. 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 Did, that, did, that, did that get that across clean, clearly? Yes. You have to change how you deal with people internally, how you think about people around you before they change how they interact with you. Yeah. This is tough. It's just tough. Talking about, now I work in customer service. I'm in the corporate office now. But, and, and I still have to get calls and stuff like that. And there are times when I get people on my phone that like to cuss. Now, me being who I am, ain't, ain't too much cussing folks going on my phone lately. Like, and I had to come to the understanding that the reason why they were so upset, or reason why they were cussing, first of all, was that that's the only vernacular they know. Also because they are angry at the situation, they don't even know me. Right? And then there are times when they start cussing directly at me. And I had to change my mindset with that also. And start saying, okay, they're cussing at me because they don't like the outcome that they've gotten. And there's truthfully, there's nothing else that can be done. That took a long time to get to. It took a long time to get to. Because when I first started, um, some 12 years ago, and I, would get, I got my first couple of phone calls. I was working for Verizon at that time. And people were cussing on my phone. Yeah. Oh, you gonna cuss at me? Oh, I got something for you too, player. You know? Oh, you cussing directly at me. Oh, good. You know what I'm saying? And there have been times when they were recording calls. And I said, oh my, you can't say that. I didn't cuss though, but the way you talked to them was so harsh. It would move them away from it, from, 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 from our services. You gotta understand that the people that are around you are people that are lost. Those that are outside of the world are lost people. The only vernacular that they know, or the way they speak, that they know, is in the lost language. The only way they know how to act is in the lost way. They don't know nothing better to do. They don't know how to interact better. They don't know how to love. They don't know how to treat people right. But you do. Amen. Amen. We do. We know better. You ever get mad at your child or, or a young person that you know, know better? Don't make you want to move people. And, like, yeah. like, as, a, as a parent, there are things that I know. Like my daughter knows better than this. And most of the time, she don't do that. And you know, I'm just using that as an example. Coco is one of the ones that learn real quick from getting punished. 
You know, she's not going, no, they took my whole TV away. I'm not doing that. Coco learned really quick. But then there's some stuff that Coco just be trying when it comes to like makeup and stuff like that. She knows I have an issue with her wearing makeup out. I'm not talking about playing with it around the house, stuff like that. But she'll play with it around the house and she'll try to slide out the door with on it. I get warm with that stuff. And she tried a few times and I, and I went all the way off. Mainly because I know you know that. But you're doing it anyway. That is complete and total disobedience. Right? Yeah. If you didn't slip up, you didn't make a mistake, they didn't push you so bad, they didn't push you because, uh, because if you're so powerful to preach a word from God, then you're powerful enough to withstand a push from the enemy. Amen. Amen. You're strong enough to withstand that push. Or withstand somebody getting on your nerves. Or withstand uh, 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 when you got up too late and, and your body is still asleep, but you got to go to work. You didn't get to get your coffee. That shouldn't put you in the mindset the way you should cuss everybody out when you get in the work. Or you late, so you come in with that fake mean face because you don't want nobody to say nothing about you being late. Or I'm the only person that's ever done that before. Okay, whatever. You come to work, you take me to late, you out. Ain't nothing wrong with you, but you late. Just go ahead in there and sit down. Yeah, I was late. I'm sorry. You know, I'm not going to do it again. But you know better. Yeah. You know better, but yet still we don't do. Okay. <laughs> we don't do better. Amen. And it's complete disobedience of God. We know better. So the truth of the matter is, it's not the outside influences that's causing it. It's the inside influence. The battlefield is in our mind. Now we're talking about all this other stuff at the beginning, that stuff that was going out, and we're going more and more and more internally. It's all about how you think about what you're doing. Amen. 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 Philippians 2 and 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and, I'm sorry, a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself uh, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Amen. Now, we're also supposed to be as cross died, as Christ died for us because our sins upon the cross, when we become children of God, we are grafted, we, we are grafted into the family of God. We also, we also take on the cross, right? Yes. Amen. Everybody, amen. 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 If you understand, yeah, amen. There's a cross that we have to bear. Amen. Now we were not called to die the death of the cross. Right? We are not called to die the death, the physical death of the cross. But we were called to every day. Die or mortify the deeds of this body. So it comes full circle. It comes from here all the way back to the first scripture where it's saying mortify the deeds of the body. Every day we're supposed to die. We're supposed to nail our flesh to the cross. You're supposed to be a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Meaning that your life 
is supposed to be a poster board for how you're supposed to do this thing. Your life is supposed to be showing everybody the next thing that you nailed to the cross. The next step, the next part of your psyche that you nailed up there. The next part of you that you thought was good, but you found out wasn't in the word. Like you studied and studied and studied. You found out it was a sin. You nailed up to the cross. Every day should be a day that you die. You should be killing something every day. It hurts. It's a strain. I didn't know it was supposed to, I, I thought, you know, this day shouldn't, you know, you should just wake up and God, your feet were brand new and your hands were too and stuff like that. That's a song. And it's cute in a song. But Pastor says sometimes you have to agonize. That word agonize sounds good when we jump in the shower. You know what agony is? I'll say it like this, fibromyalgia is something that a blanket statement in the medical field. But what it is, it's, wide, it's widespread nerve pain. It's not that something is necessarily broken, it's just that the nerves are just hurting. And you're in pain consistently. And you're hurting all the time. And, it's, and I'm gonna tell you how bad it is. They come out with this fibromyalgia medication. The medication can cause suicidal thoughts. The medication can cause speech swelling. The medication can also cause, I think, uh, uh, it can inhibit the body's ability to blood clot. But it is the highest selling medication out there. Why? Because they're living in agony. Now, you might have something on your arm wrong, or your shoulder wrong, something like that. Oh, got it. I'll tell you. Got a crick in your neck. You get that thing in your neck, it will change the way you speak to everybody. Because you can't really do it. But hey, oh my. You got to turn. Yeah, I mean, you can't turn. And you like, you be driving something like that, and somebody come up on your side, and you got to check your blind spot, and you forget that you got that crick in your neck. Ah! You know, it messed your whole situation up, and you're in pain. And everything is hampered by the way you can't take any kids the way you want to. You can't do anything. And it just, it just, sometimes it's like not just your neck, it's your neck and your shoulder and maybe even your back. So you just, every step you take is a step of pain. Agony. You're supposed to agonize. There are times when you have to fight your flesh so hard to the point where you, I mean, you get weary. But guess what? You're not fighting this thing by yourself. You're not fighting this flesh by yourself. You have an advocate with the Father, but you also have grace. Grace is strength. See, Paul came to God, and this, and this, this, this doctor had to help me understand. Paul came to God because he had a thorn in his flesh. Something, he said, a messenger from Satan that came to buffet him. He came to God three times about this thing. We talking about Paul. Paul didn't wrote this thing right here. Paul had all the words in it. I couldn't pronounce that last scripture a couple, couple days ago. Paul, that dude, who saw Jesus, or he was the only apostle who didn't spend time with Jesus, but actually was an apostle that he met Jesus. 
Straight up. He went to, after that, he didn't spend time around the disciples. He went off by himself on an island and just sucked with Jesus and learned of Jesus by himself and came back and started ministry. We're talking about Paul. Boy, he went out the window and died. Paul went down there, laid hands on him, brought him back to life, went back up and kept preaching. We're talking about Paul. That's what I'm talking about. We're dealing with an issue. And he went to God three times. A messenger of Satan came after him. And messed with him three times. And God said, I'm not going to take it away. What did he say? My grace is sufficient for you. Me that I gave you power to overcome that thing. I've given you power, the ability to overcome that thing in and of your own strength. Huh? You can fight through this thing, and through, and through the fight, you're going to learn something else about me. Through the fact they, they never even found out what it was. There might have been a physical issue that he was going on. It might have been an issue that he just kept going to jail. Paul stayed in jail. It might have been that issue. It might have been the, the thought that he had, uh, or the guilt that he had coming up at him every time he would see the people of God and remember that he used to persecute them. It might have been that. But he sought God three times for a movement. God said, no, my grace is sufficient. You can make it through this thing. And over time, Paul wrote most of, he wrote most of the, the, the New Testament. And he majority, the majority of things he wrote dealt with internal issues. That thing that he was dealing with helped prompt him to actually put down to pen and paper things that will help us to this day. How to walk this thing out right. How to live this life holy. You have grace. You have the ability to press past your flesh, press past any desires that are there, and get to the point to where God takes you and gives you the desires of your heart. He will remove the mess that's there. He'll remove the junk that's there because you are actively seeking God. Your heart is after God. Your heart is not after the stuff. Your heart is not after the mess. Your heart is not after the sin. Your heart is after God. And because you're not feeding your flesh anymore, because you're not feeding that dark part of your heart anymore, because you're not feeding into that anger, that malice, that evil concussion, whatever you call it, the inordinate affection, because you're not having those things that are going on in your life, because you're not cussing out your neighbor, because you're not lying to your loved one, because you are not doing the things of the flesh. All of a sudden, God, through your work, starts working out your salvation. And these things get moved. You get to the point where you no longer even want to do it no more. Yeah. It becomes an action. Now, remember the remember this term we used to use called practice makes practice makes perfect. Um, when I was in ROTC, this guy he said, "No, practice don't make perfect. Practice makes permanent." I was, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Practice makes permanent. That means if you continue to do." The same thing, yeah, it's going to make it permanent. Permanent in you. You're going to keep doing that same thing the same way every time to the point where you don't even have to think about it anymore. But you can be doing the wrong thing the same way. And you know, over and over and over and over and over and over. And it's permanently installed into you. But once you change up, find the right way to do it, do it the right way, perfect practice makes perfect. Do it the right way. Amen. Amen. Do it, everybody say, do it the right way. Do it the God 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 way.
Pastor said something that freaked me up because I, I, I always feel like I'm being too extra sometimes. Because, uh, you know, everybody got life here, everybody goes through their own little stuff. And people say, all oh, have sinned and come short of the glory of God, which sometimes can be used at most times to be real. Used as an excuse to, to walk out of sin or to excuse away sin. People use that. The world uses that a lot. Or judge not unless you be judged. The pastor said one thing, one thing. It's okay and it's actually right to try to do everything right. It's okay and it's actually right to try to do everything right. Godly. Ain't no such thing as we can't just be Jesus, 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 Jesus all that. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Why can't godly things completely observe, absorb every part of my life? Huh? Why can't my communication be totally and solely wrapped up in the things of God? Right? I know the world wants to make us seem like it's corny. Or make it seem like it's, it's just, but we're in a fight for our life. We have to remember that earth is not our home. Amen. We're not going to stay here. We got just as many short tombstones as long tombstones out there now. We are not going to stay here. You are not meant to be here. Christ has gone and prepared a place for each and every one of us. But the only way to get there is you got to do this thing right. Everybody want to go to heaven, but nobody want to die. <laughs> that statement also includes dying the death of your flesh. Everybody want to go to heaven, but nobody want to die. I, wanna, I, I don't want to go to hell. I don't, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go there at all. But Lord, do I got to go to church as often as I do. Lord, do I got to be nice to that crazy person at my office, Jesus. Lord, do I got to go to work on time all the time. Do I have to? Yes. You need to live this life on purpose. With efforts. Mortifying the needs of your body every day. Choking it out. Won't you get that thought out of your mind? That you are fighting an opponent that's bigger than you. But when you got Christ on the inside of you, you got so much strength that you can choke that thing out. You ever seen some UFC fighters or something like that? And they get into a fight and they, they get behind the thing and they start choking that mug out? Some of y'all are like, no, I don't watch stuff like that. But you see somebody you choke before. <laughs> I don't care if it's coming outside of McCallum Street or something like that. You'll see somebody smack and choke or uh, something like that. They choking them out, knocking them out. You got to choke out your flesh every day. Put forth that effort. Squeeze that thing until they just stop. It just stop moving. Ain't no breath coming in. Stop feeding it. Stop feeding it. Stop feeding it. And you know what I'm talking about when you talk about feeding it. The stuff that tastes good to it when it would come up. That match the McDonald's on your soul. I call it the McDonald's on your soul. The shows that that feed that that, that arguing spirit. The shows that feed that lustful attitude or something like that, that, that. The shows that feed into that thing. You know what it is. 
people that surround you that help, that, that give you an excuse. Girl, I don't know what you're talking about, because if it was me, I mean, I don't need no harm. You know what I'm saying? You ain't gonna go to hell if you drink a little bit of such and such and such and such. You know? You ain't gonna go to hell if you, you don't go to hell if you uh, go here and there and everywhere. We can have fun. God wants you to have fun. Don't let those people feed that stuff into you because it's feeding, it's feeding the flesh. Thank you so much for listening to that. I know our live segments are really long and wordy, but man, I know that that was a word in there. I pray that it actually blessed you. Yo, come back to us next week. Holla at us. Give us your time. Yo, I know God got something for you. It's blessing me just to be out here talking, man. But I'll holla at you later on, man. Next time we'll be talking to you. Have a good one. Holla at me. Hey, amazing. What's good?